feeling nostalgic, remembering the good things about Christmas. And it's true, isn't it? Uh, This time of year brings up some emotions um, that you've probably experienced in the past. Maybe you smell the Christmas tree or maybe you see mom baking and, uh, you know, you have your favorite Christmas cookie or this or that. Um, But there's, there's fond memories, right? There's fond memories with Christmas and and this time of year. Uh, it can be crowded out by the hustle and bustle, what the world's made it, what, what the world's made this Christmas season, but we want to go back to what the good things are and uh, even to what the best things are. So, okay, give me some Christmas traditions or fond memories. Let's go. What do you got? Caroling, Caroling? yeah, I knew that, Mom. <laughs> if she can get us to uh, her apartment for caroling, it, it'll be an awesome year. What else? Yeah, come on. Bell ringing outside. There you go. Yeah. Bell ringing out outside. I like that. Little. Uh... Christmas presents. Find out what's yeah, shaking them up. <laughs> Seeing if they move. Snowball fights. Snowball fights. Yeah. You know, one of our staff actually brought snow into the office and threw it at somebody else this week. Not kidding. Must be part of their fond memory, too. Yeah, the Grinch. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> last night while I'm trying to finish my message, my kids and the neighborhood kids were watching the Grinch last night. That's funny. Christmas Eve service. Hey, we're having one this year. We don't always get to have one. What's that? Oh, my goodness. All right, we're going to let you have that. I don't know what that is. No, I know what it is. Oh, boy. Um, I'll give you my, I'll give you mine. Um, it's just kind of a special little memory. I remember when I was a little kid coming downstairs. So we just had a little quaint little house and um, we had a wood kind of pillar in, the, in our basement and uh, all around it would be stockings that my grandma had uh, made. And everybody had their own one. It was all unique to them. And uh, I just remember Christmas Day, that was a big deal to bring your stocking down and to uh, open that up. And so... You know, we all have these memories, and it's kind of fun to reminisce about them, right? I'm going to spend uh, four weeks, we as a church are going to spend four weeks on some, uh, what I'll call the best things about Christmas, okay? The best things about Christmas. So here they are. Hope is coming. Peace is near. Joy is spreading. Love is here. That's the next four weeks. And uh, we're just going to go week by week. And just remember these great things, these Advent themes about Christmas. So hope is coming. Uh, Open your Bible to Luke. Today I'm going to focus on hope. You could rename it faith if you want to. Hope. And I want you to leave today with a lot of hope. And I'm not sure what you, uh, which struggle I'm sure you have a struggle. I'm just not sure which struggle it is that you came walking into church with today. Um, But by the power of God's word, I want to help you know that hope is coming. I want you to leave with hope today. That's my goal. I want you to leave with hope today. And so I'm going to give you uh, what I call an encouragement sandwich. Okay? Three points, right? It's like good news, kind of some filling, hard stuff, and then some good news. And uh, I'm going to give you an encouragement sandwich today, but let's read it from the text, Luke 
chapter 1. We're going to find our food for the next four weeks in Luke chapter 1 and 2. We're just going to work through it verse by verse. I've missed that. We've kind of been in this topical exegetical the last few uh, weeks and months, and so I'm really anxious, uh, anxious, probably the wrong word, excited to get back to verse-by-verse uh, verse teaching. So if you're in Luke chapter 1, say, I'm there. I'm there. Great. Good. Okay. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accompanied among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, Luke speaking, having followed all things closely for some time past to write, I have this underlined in my Bible, an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. I'm not going to come back to this, so let me just get this out of the way now. Most excellent is probably a term for a Roman governor or ruler, somebody in authority, and Theophilus means lover of God. So this was a high-ranking official who loved God had been taught about God and, um, you know, how hard that would be. And so Luke, maybe an employee of his or maybe just a friend who was hired, uh, is now writing this story so that Theophilus can have a firm foundation, a hope of the things to come. That you may have certainty, circle that, concerning the things that you have been taught In the days of Herod, king of Judea, that's Herod the Great, ruling from 37 to 4 BC, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. There's 24 divisions of the priests. You can read that. Who read? Oh, a little checking in church. Who read? Last time I preached, two weeks ago, I said, go read 1 Chronicles 22 through 28. Who read it? All right, then you know about the uh, priests and all the divisions. Uh, you can probably give us all the names, okay? Verse, uh, chapter 24 and 25 talk about that. Just a little aside since I mentioned it last time. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. That means they were both Levites. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. This is important. Righteous. We can only be righteous in Jesus Christ They were righteous, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were careful to keep the word of God. But, circle that in your Bible, but. (laughs) There's always a turn there, right? But, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. I don't know if you know this, but every Jewish woman had a chance to have the Messiah come through her. And that was the greatest hope. The hope of having a baby boy, the hope of having a child was so great with the anticipation of the Messiah that this must have been a crushing load. Now while they were serving, he was serving, sorry, just Zechariah. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when the, his division was on duty, again, 24 divisions, each one had uh, two weeks of service. They'd go a week on, then go back home, and then 26 later, they'd be a week on again, 
and go back home, maybe serve during the feast as well. While his division was on duty, one of the two weeks he served, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot, some sovereignty here, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. That happened, I'm just giving you some good stuff here while we go, that happened in the morning and in the evening, okay? So morning and evening, incense was burned. Uh, you could only, as a priest, do it once in your lifetime. This is a very rare thing. He was chosen by lot to do it. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. They were expectant. And there appeared to him. Get ready to say, wow. Come on now. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. Wow. Have that, has that ever happened to you? I mean, give me gravy. So, you know, a lot of things are going to happen here with Zechariah. And you could be really hard on him, or you could just be like really easy on him. I'm just going to take the easy route, because this has never happened to me, so I don't know how I'd respond. <laughs> Whoa! Appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. What? <laughs> okay. I just hoping to get out of here alive. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. Is this judgment? Did I do something wrong? Am I, is this how people get killed in the holy place? But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer, prayer, singular. What do you think he's praying for? The hope of the nation Israel, right? Is that what the prayer is? His wife is barren. His one prayer, his whole prayer, nothing but the prayer, all of his life has been the prayer, is we'd like to have a baby. Your prayer has been heard. Isn't that comforting that God hears your prayer? I mean, so many times we think God doesn't listen because he's not answering the way we want him to. God has been hearing your prayer since the day you opened your mouth. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. <laughs> and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. It says this in Ephesians as well. Why? Because he is, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't be filled with wine. You can't be overcome by a substance and filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time. Okay? This is a great caution to all of us during this season not to go overboard. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with food, not with wine, not with anything else that would please just the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. More on that in the next couple of messages because it actually happens. I love that. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, the hearts, to their God. And he will go before him. Go before him. Who's him? Doesn't say. What's this a reference to? You might want to just write Malachi in your, in your Bible. It's been prophesied before. I'll come back to it a little bit later. Before him. 
that him is the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You need to have that highlighted in your Bible. The whole reason John is coming, the whole reason Jesus was born is to make ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. He's coming back. And we need to be prepared for that. Now, let me finish. And Zacharias said to the angel, now, I don't know how you feel about talking to angels, but I'm like, shut up, right? So that's just on this side of talking to an angel. But if I actually had an angel come to me and he told me something, I was confused, I'd probably want some clarification. Just being honest. So he said to the angel, must have got comfortable, <laughs> fear left him. How shall I know this? How shall I know this? Now, later when I read, you're going to know that doubt is the reason he's asking. And later when somebody preaches on Mary, you're going to know that she just wants to know how, not if. He wants to know if it's going to happen and could you give me a sign. So you just need to know the difference between how he responds because it looks really similar to how Mary responds in the next passage of Scripture. And they are very different. His is doubt-filled, need another sign, not sure if I could take your word, and by the way, I have an excuse. Do you see it here? For I am an old man. <laughs> I'm past that. And uh, my wife is advanced in years. You could just write unbelief in your Bible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the angel answered him. It's almost like, you know, just got to remember about angels. Angels are messengers of God. They don't really speak for themselves. So this reply kind of seems like Gabriel's miffed. He's not. He doesn't need to be miffed, right? He just speaks for God. It's like there's nothing personal, right? But he's like, do you know who told me to tell you this? So that's the tone that you're going to get here. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent. Did you want a sign, did you say? Okay, here you go. Nine months, you will be silent. How's that for a sign? And unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe. Unbelief is a killer of hope. Faith is a builder of hope. You didn't believe my words. You didn't believe what I said right here. You only believed your circumstance. We've all been there. Which will be fulfilled in their time. My words will be fulfilled when God says they'll be fulfilled and no earlier and no later. He's like, you gotta know. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay, like, do we need to pull him out soon? Is he dead? No, we still hear the bells jingling. There's a lot of stuff there from the Jewish standpoint. Why he had such a delay in the temple? Get in, get out, that's it. Once in a lifetime, done. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, the end of the week, he went to his home. 
And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Bam! That's a miracle. Past the age-bearing time. Can't have kids. Miracle. Grade A miracle. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, didn't tell anybody, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me. God didn't tell me. How many times did I pray and pray and pray? God didn't tell me what he was going to do. And here I am, not telling anybody else, to take away my approach among the people. He's going to change my favor. It's going to be a completely different story. I thought it was this story, but it's now this story, and God's amazing. That's what you need to leave here with at the end of the day. You need to leave here with God's amazing. Nothing is impossible for God. Now, just a little tidbit, um, because I studied it a little bit. Um, Silent and unable to speak. He says both, silent and unable to speak. You're like, well, that seems like the same thing. He was deaf and he couldn't talk. That made communication even harder. When I can't hear what you're saying, write it down. You know, say something, you know. So there's a lot of confusion going on. And confusion doesn't bring hope, just so you're clear. Confusion breeds hopelessness. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a lot going on here. And I want to give it to you in three chunks. And I want to say this, I can have hope, first thing. I can have hope. I can choose hope today. I can have hope, and they're all in the text. I can have hope because of the certainty of the gospel. I can have hope because of the certainty of the gospel. Here's what you need to know. Luke is convinced that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Luke is convinced that Jesus was born, that he lived, he did miracles, good stuff. You can read it all in Luke, okay? That he died for our sins, that he rose again from the grave, and that he's coming again. Luke is convinced. And as a doctor should... (laughs) He writes a detailed account, researches it all out, and writes a paper that's going to be published and renowned. It's been in the Bible for how many years? It's better than any uh, article any other doctor's written, I'm pretty sure. I said that in male country. Sorry. But it's the truth in love. I can have hope because of the certainty of the gospel. Luke is a careful, written, orderly, eyewitness-based account that will build your hope in the gospel. And so I submit to you, in a world where there is hopelessness, This season will be filled with depression. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough friends. I feel empty inside when everybody seemingly isn't. Yeah, right. Without Christ, it's empty. And you can have Christ and still feel empty if you're cramming him to your big toe and filling yourself with something else. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, okay? Be full of the Holy Spirit, please. 
The world is filled with hopelessness. Even suicides will be up this season. It's crazy. But we as believers have hope that the world does not have. And I want to encourage you this season, this Advent season, as we lead up to Christmas, to go to the place where the hope is found. The certainty of the gospel is right here. So I'm just going to say this. If you want to be on the short track, go read Luke 24. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you want to be on, you know, the long, windy road that's going to be a lot of fun. It's long chapters, but it'll be every bit worth it. Read all of Luke this Christmas season, right? Read the whole book of Luke and see that the certainty about the hope you have in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and coming King, is a real thing, right? This isn't just like, oh, blind faith, I'm not sure. This is like detailed accounts of what happened. Eyewitness, written down by a doctor. Read all of Luke. You say, why would I do that? Eternity's in the balance, that's why. Okay, so Jesus said this in Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the words, my words, will not pass away. This won't pass away. This is eternal word. Just, just know that and read it. So I'm committed. I'm going to read Luke this Advent season going up till Christmas. I hope to have it done by Christmas. That might be hard, more than a chapter a day, but at least by the end of the year, I want to have Luke read because I want to build my certainty and increase my hope in Jesus Christ. Now I want to transition to the next point. There's some words here in verse 5 that I want you to see. In verse 4, you saw the certainty, okay, that you may have certainty in the gospel, certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. But in verse 5, you see Herod, a wicked king who tried to kill Jesus. His son actually did behead John the Baptist. You see Zechariah, just to set the stage, okay? Zechariah is a priest. His name means God has remembered. God has remembered what? His promise of the Messiah. Here it comes. And then you see Elizabeth, his wife. Her name means God is my oath. He, he's, he, he's, a, he's a promise keeper. <laughs> and then you see in verse 6, this is where it gets really good. They were righteous. They were blameless. They walked in a way worthy of the Lord. That is a tall statement. Like, I don't know how you feel coming in here, but only in the blood of Jesus Christ can I even think about saying that. And maybe it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that Luke can write this down. They were careful to obey God's word. They were Levites. He was a priest. They were godly people. Not just church going, not just Easter and Christmas, but they were like in a small group reading their Bible every day, that kind of people, godly people. But look at the next verse. The end of verse six says, or verse seven actually says, but, 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 turn to your neighbor and say, but. but. 
it's all going good. We're godly people, but tell the other neighbor. But, 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 but. Everybody has a but. I'm just telling you. But they had no children, no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. That sets the, that sets the stage for the next point. You know, it was going good, but they were lost, right? They were lost. So there's a verse for that in Luke. Luke 19.10, maybe the foremost verse in Luke. It's why Luke wrote, says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. And Luke wants to make sure everybody knows with bringing this whole thing up that Jesus cares for those who are hurting, those who are lost. He came to seek and save those people who are in the hopeless spot. So this point, I can have hope not only because of the certainty of the gospel, but even in the misery of my pain. I can have hope even in the misery of my pain. This is... (laughs) A hard thing. I labored over, uh, there's some misery around what word to write. Is it tragedy? Is it calamity? Is it center of my pain? What is it exactly that I should say? So I chose the word misery. I want to, I don't have it memorized, the definition. I'm just going to read it for you. Wretchedness of condition or circumstance. Distress or suffering caused by need. Great mental and emotional distress. Extreme unhappiness. Pain does that. Lack of hope does that. And so I chose to say misery. I can have hope even in the misery of my pain. If you've experienced pain, if you've experienced suffering, if you've experienced barrenness, then you understand how miserable it is. It's miserable. Even though they're righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the gospel, the trials bring pain and sorrow. They had prayed and continued to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for God to take away their pain and their hopelessness, and yet they were still sitting in that spot. I can relate. We all have areas of pain. And so their area, and this is really sensitive, right? I don't want to be insensitive about barrenness because there's people here that can relate to that. But there's also other pain. This was their pain, and this may be your pain, and I don't want to be insensitive to that, but there's other pain too. And, and the pain is real, right? So let's just go after this. My pain is real, okay? First, we'll go with barrenness. Barrenness is a real thing. There's people in here that can't have children or haven't been able to have children and they understand what I'm talking about with the pain of that. And they probably can relate if they have had kids to the joy that is going to take place when John is born. The second thing, bereavement. I'm just being tricky with the bees, eh? Bereavement, death, loss. 
I had an aunt that died this week, 60 years old. I can't imagine her husband's pain. I can't imagine. We were uh, in the green room before we came out here and one of our band members said, we, uh, we miscarried this week. I can't imagine the pain other than we went through it once. We lost a child. I can say that with a smile on my face because I know he's in heaven. She's in heaven. I don't even know. I'm just going to see him one day and I can't wait. And I can't guarantee that any of my other kids are going to come to know Christ, but that one, that one, Trey, RJ, the third, (laughs) I'll see him or her there for sure. Bereavement. Our mayor lost his wife this week. Judy, who had battled so many things health-wise, went home to be with the Lord. If you want to encourage our mayor, you could, you could show up today and just tell him, hey, we're praying for you at harvest. I want to pray for him right now, okay? I just want to take a second and pray for him right now. God, would you put your arms around Ardell and his kiddos? Would you strengthen him for this journey? I know it's been a long thing. And so there's probably some relief, but God, there's a lot of pain. And his pain is real. And even though he may see, see his wife again one day in heaven, I pray that you will comfort him right now. And for those that are in our church who are dealing with the loss as well right now, I pray that you will comfort them, that you will wrap your arms around them, and that they will know you are good. That death is not the end. It's just the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Then this, this is close to my home, uh, back pain. (laughs) My pain is real, it's back pain. So uh, here's my story and I'll stick it to it. Um, I hurt my back in 2005. I went on record saying that six months of that was horrible. Two steroid injections, it was better for a while. In 2011, when we planted the church, um, I hurt my back again. And uh, I've struggled with it for the last seven years. On and off, uh, it's a miserable thing. Uh, The misery of pain, I understand it. Um, The end of it all is, Lord willing, the end of it all is tomorrow I'll be having surgery. I'm back. So that's a little bittersweet. You're thinking, God can heal me. God can heal me. I know God can heal me. I still pray for healing today. I know God can heal me. But if he chooses not to, and the doctor was so nice to remind me, like, well, God sometimes uses medicine and doctors and tools to heal people too. So we're just going to go after this avenue and, and, and trust God for this being the healing that he has planned. Because we've prayed for it again and again and again. The pain is real. I can relate to that. And just like some people can relate to loss, some people can relate to barrenness, some people can relate to back pain. I know there's some people that have had surgery in their, in their body. Some people probably need to. I get it. Any kind of physical pain is a hardship. And so please pray for me. At the end of the service, the elders are going to be praying over me and anyone that would like to come down and get prayed over any, anything at all. Any hopelessness that you have, find yourself in, we want to pray over you, okay? It's not just about me. It's about us, right? 
And uh, we want to do that at the end of the service. So the next thing is betrayal. Betrayal. Um, I'm not going to say a lot about this, but if you've been betrayed, you know that this is one of the most painful experiences in life. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Now, there's a number five. I left it blank because I don't know (laughs) what you're dealing with, and I think you just need to write it in. Let's just be honest with each other. Let's just, just write it in. Whatever it is that you walked in here with that you, you don't think God can accomplish and that you're hopeless for, <laughs> write it down. God's, God's going to turn that upside down. We don't all have the same pain, uh, but maybe you can relate to one of these things. And um, everyone has some kind of hard trial that they're going through. But I can have hope even in the misery of pain. I can. Right? Why don't you write these verses down? I'm going to skip them just for sake of time. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 and Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the thing that we need. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So just go read those verses and be encouraged. But I'm going to say this and put this quote on the screen. Lack of hope affects my faith in God. Lack of hope affects my faith in God. My unbelief, Zechariah's unbelief in the passage, affects his faith in God. Unbelief makes it hard to have hope. And it makes it hard or even impossible to please God. And so be careful of hopelessness, right? Let's not get ourselves into that ditch and stay there. If you've gotten into that ditch, it's time to get out. Hope is coming. That's the name of the message. Hope is coming. Well, he's come in the name of Jesus Christ, and he's coming back in the name of Jesus Christ, and he is Jesus, which is Lord. So no more need for a sign from God. No more excuses for why God can't do it in my life. I'm not going to give up. My God is sovereign over everything. And as I read this passage, I know that he can do for me what he did for them. I know he can. And I know he will. And even if he doesn't, I will praise him for eternity. This last point. I can have hope because of the sovereignty of my Savior I can have hope because God's sovereign. I can have hope because of the certainty of the gospel. I can have hope even in the misery of my pain. And I can have hope, a little sandwich for you, a little encouragement on both ends, eh? (laughs) Because of the sovereignty of God, my Savior. Gabriel's like, really? Really? You want to ask me how this is going to happen? You want to pull the doubt card out? Really? It's like Zachariah's like, give me a break, man. It's been a long time, right? Like this is, this is hard. And so he does give him a break. He doesn't change the plan. He just says, hey, you get to, you get to, you get to sit on it for a little bit, right? Just sit on it for a little bit. And uh, let that be the sign for you, Right? God tried to give you a message. You didn't want it. Like, just sit on it for a while. You're going to give the message in its time, and uh, we'll come back to it. 
I want you to notice something from verse 8, though. What does it say there? Now, while he was serving. I think that's important, right? So, yes, I'm going to talk about sovereignty, but I want to just, another S word, serving, right? Like, here, here's what I wrote down. When we get busy doing God's work, he starts directing us. He starts speaking to us. He starts using us. So don't forget this part of the story. It's easy to gloss over it. Don't forget, sometimes when we get hopeless, we isolate, we want to stop seeing other people, we want to stop serving other people, we want to start serving ourselves. I've been there. <laughs> Me. And, and don't forget that God meets us when we start pouring out, when we start um, getting into his work. Okay, this next thing I want you to see, verse verse. Nine there is, he was chosen by Lot. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. God's timing is perfect. God's person is perfect. God's plan is perfect. It's all perfect to him. Even the fact that he talked back, that's perfect to God. He's like, yeah, that's perfect. I'm going to use that. Everything that happened here is in his sovereignty. And then you you look down at these verses down here, verse 17, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of children. You look at these things and I'm just gonna, this is a priest, he knows the word. The last thing written was Malachi. This is the quote from Malachi 3, 1 and Malachi 4, 5, and 6. I'm just gonna put them on the screen so you can see it. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare a way before me. And the Lord whom you seek, the Messiah, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Hope is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Does it sound familiar? And the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land and declare an utter destruction. In the spirit and power of Elijah, John comes. And Elijah's coming again at the end, one of the two witnesses. There's a lot of prophecy going on here. And that's a whole other message we could get into. But for this point, God is sovereign. He said it 400 years earlier and then silence. And then he's like, and it'll come true. And it's been 2,000 years since. And we get to see everything else that God said and has said, it's done including Jesus Christ raising from the dead. The sovereignty of God is what gets me up in the morning. That God's in control and I'm not is the reason I roll out of bed. That's it. I know he's good. I know he's working all things for good. I want to turn this with Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven, and I want you to know this because I want to make you ready, a people prepared for Jesus, okay? So I want you to know this. This is, hope is coming and it's right here. Matthew eleven eleven. here it is. Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there is, has arisen, no one greater than John the Baptist. No one. That's amazing. And then he goes on, yet 
The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're greater than John the Baptist. All of this sovereignty to get John there, to promote Jesus and prepare the way, and Jesus comes and all of that, and and Jesus says, forget it all. One person that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is more important, is greater than any physical birth. This new birth, this spiritual birth, man, nothing better. There's so many other passages I want to encourage you with, so write them down. I was going to turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 11 in particular, but you could read the whole chapter. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Those are passages about Jesus ascending to heaven and Jesus coming back to earth. But I'm going to sum it up with this right here, and that is Luke. I'll just stay in Luke, chapter 21, verses 27 and 28. I'll throw it on the screen for you. You want those verses again, don't you? Acts chapter 1, 7 through 11. First Thess- I see you guys. I see you. I, I, I hear you, right? First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Be encouraged with those. Those are, as a matter of fact, the 13, uh, First Thessalonians 4, 18 says, therefore encourage one another with these words. All right? That's what it says. Go, go be encouraged. And then this, Luke chapter 21. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Then when these things begin to take place, straighten up. What does that mean to you? If your mom said that to you, what did you think? Ah! <laughs> Stop sinning, right? That's not what he's saying. Straighten up and raise your heads. What's he saying? Lift your head. Get your shoulders back. Be encouraged. Have hope. Christ is here. That's what he's saying. He's not like straighten up as in like stop sinning. He's in straighten up as in like, I know you're taking a beating right now because the world stinks. But there's going to be a day when Jesus Christ comes back and he wants you to straighten up, put your shoulders back, lift it. He's the lifter of your head and he wants you to be like encouraged. That's what he's saying. Because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah. Man, so encouraging. Been thinking about hope all week, and uh, do you know the symbol of hope in the New Testament? Anybody know? Anybody know? What is it? What? Star? Yeah, great. What? Anchor. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Here you go. All right. This is the symbol of hope in the New Testament. I'm going to throw one more verse on the screen. Hebrews 6, 18. Here's what it says. So that by two unchangeable things, the two unchangeable things are God himself and his word. Neither one can change. In which it is impossible for God to lie. Yeah, he can't speak evil. (laughs) We who have fled for refuge, (laughs) yeah, from my sin and from Satan, might be strong, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. What's the hope? What's the hope? Here it is. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place 
behind the curtain. Who did that? Oh yeah, that's Jesus. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So you know what? I don't know what pain, what suffering you've been through. I can only relate to my own. But I know this. Jesus Christ relates. He took every one of your sins, everything that you've suffered, every pain, and he took it all at one time on the cross. He's felt it all. He's gone to that other side. He's died and he's come back. He's risen from the dead and he can relate to every one of us. That ought to build hope. And he's coming back again. So let me close the service this way. This Christmas, I want you to remember and to have hope in the fact that Jesus has already gone behind the pain, behind the suffering, behind the trial that you are facing and has brought life and love to all who believe in his name. Won't you believe? Won't you believe in the name of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you prepared for him to come again? Right? That's it. That's what Christmas is all about. He came once. He's coming again. Are you ready? And so here's what we're going to do. I bought some stamps. Hobby Lobby. And I've stamped my hand because I want to remember as I go into surgery tomorrow. You think they'll scrub that off? Maybe. I want to remember as I go into surgery, at least till I do, that I have hope. And this is the symbol of hope. And so while we sing, there's a stamp pad and a stamp at each table. And if you'd just like to put something on you, I know ink, skin, it'll wash off. It'll wash off. But if you want to take something, if you want to take hope with you, okay? If you want to take hope with you, let this just be a symbol. Know that it, it stands for Christ and all that he's done for you. You go ahead and stamp your hand. I know that some people can't get down the stairs. The stairs are treacherous here. Don't even try if you don't want to. Um, just raise your hand. One of the ushers is in back. Matt, Matt's in back. He'll just come through and stamp your hand in the back if you need. Okay? So just know there's three ways for you to get your hand stamped. And then, like I said, at the end of the service, when we're all done with the song, I'm going to be down here. Elders are going to be down here. And we'd love to pray for anybody that's just going through a really hard time right now who's maybe facing some hopelessness or hurting hard. And just, we want you to know that, hey, hope is coming. And his name is Jesus Christ, right? Let me pray. God, we love you so much. And we only love you so much because you love us so much. And you keep showing us again and again and again and again. You keep blowing us kisses. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father, for that anchor. Thank you for Jesus Christ. It is his name we pray, and we have hope. Amen.